Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to East Taylorsville Baptist Church as we begin our service today. Uh, we are excited with Merritt and with Carlina as they are publicly declaring their faith in Christ today. If you would, turn your attention to the screen. Hello, my name is Merritt Medlin and I'm nine years old. I want Jesus in my heart because he died on the cross for us. I believe in him and I'll do my best for the rest of my life. My name is Carlina Barnes and I'm 24 years old. I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me when I was seven years old and I was baptized. At the time I didn't fully understand what that meant and I haven't always lived a life that was pleasing to the Lord. So today I fully understand what it means to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I would like to be baptized again and rededicate my life to the Lord. Good morning. Was those two testimonies not a blessing? Such a blessing. As you heard, this is uh, Merritt Medlin and I'm honored to baptize her and I just want to say to Ben and Megan, thank you so much for your faithfulness to East Hillsville Baptist Church. I'm honored to be your pastor and I'm honored to baptize your daughter. So, Merritt, before I baptize you, I'd like to ask you two questions. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Merritt, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. God bless you, Merit. Next we have Carlina Barnes, and I've known this young lady practically all her life. She's my cousin, and I'm honored to baptize her and to see, Carlina, just to see God's uh, work in your life, especially over the last several years, has been a blessing to me, and I'm real honored to be your pastor, Dylan's pastor, your daughter's pastor, and I'm honored to baptize you today. I want you to know I love you, okay? You. Carlina, I ask you the same question. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Carlina, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him, his death, raised the walking in of life. Would you pray with me, Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord? I just want to thank you for Mary and Carlina's salvation. And Lord, not only that, as we prayed up here in, uh, in these rooms, Lord, I want to thank you for their obedience. Father, you've commanded baptism to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's a picture of a newness of life. And Father, I want to thank you for their obedience. Lord, I pray if there's anyone out here today that's not born again, or Lord, has never been baptized, that Lord, you'd use this to even bring conviction to their heart to, to take that next step of obedience. And Father, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that still preaches the gospel and still baptizes men, women, boys, and girls for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's children said together. Amen. Well, good morning. Can't think of a better way to start a service than with that. So um, we do have a few announcements. Christmas is just around the corner. Yes, I said it. Christmas is just around the corner. Um, so with that in mind, I want to start out by saying thank you to all of our Trunk or Treat volunteers. Uh, we had 1,500 people come through Thursday night uh, in the rain and the wind. And in the rain and the wind, we had security guys and our parking lot greeters with umbrellas and soaking wet. So to our security guys and to our greeters, thank you so much for sticking it out and uh, moving the line from inside the church to outside the church, depending on the rain, it was kind of a wild night. But thank you for your flexibility and thank you for serving. 
Um, also, too, in our Jennings lobby, uh, when you come in, you may have seen that there's a table down there. And uh, we have uh, T-shirts, long sleeve tees, and hoodies. And that is just at cost. We just want you guys to have them to wear in the community or to uh, wear to school or to your job uh, or give out as Christmas gifts. But today's the last day to order those. So if you'll just stop by the table, there's a paper there. You can fill out the paper, turn it in. Um, and we got a three-day turnaround on those, so we'll have those to you by Thanksgiving so you can have those to give out over the holidays. Um, but drop, this, today's the last day to do that, so make sure you drop by and do that. Um, also tonight uh, is our Awana. We're doing a food drive this evening for all perishable goods. We want to stock the crisis center before Thanksgiving comes for needy families. So uh, if you are even in a, not an Awana and you want to drop off some food, drop that off down in the gym area. Um, and we'll take that over to the crisis center to help those who may not have what they need for Thanksgiving this year. Uh, and also along the lines of Christmas, uh, we have our annual Christmas party that we do. Or this is going to be a second annual. Uh, it's a white Christmas theme. We'll have horse-drawn carriage rides and a meal, and we'll read the uh, Christmas story together uh, and announce summer camp destinations and those kind of things. So uh, if you would like to sign up for that, that is online. That's for anybody. It'll be on the 15th. It'll be after the cantata. Um, so anybody's welcome to come that night for uh, um, a night for White Christmas. Um, and also, too, uh, December 1st is going to be a, um, a youth outing. To, we're going to go ice skating down at the U.S. National Whitewater Center. So you can sign up for that as well online. But uh, that's all we have for now. And so if you want to, you can stand up and welcome your neighbor. Uh, if you are visiting with us, you can get a, a gift in the back by the vestibule. But right now, just welcome your neighbor. real quick we're going to do a presentation here before i do that i want to mention this too christmas in tville we're doing that this year we have 30 families with a total of 80 kids and so if you're interested in purchasing gifts for or for families who may not have a great christmas this year you can stop by the right outside these doors you can go to the elevator lobby uh, and you can meet kelly or kathy Eichard there, or Kelly Eichard and Kathy Johnson there, and they will get you what you need. But we're going to do a, a Bible presentation. We do this every year for our first graders, uh, and, and Miss Wanda Reese and Amber Kiever are our first grade teachers, and they go, I just want to say this, they go above and beyond what they're asked to do. Um, they, they bring in big props, they do big things for the kids, and so you guys will remember your first grade class forever probably um, because of your great teachers. So I want to turn it over to Wanda. She's going to come up. We've got some pictures also that will be sliding in the back. Uh, first, so Wanda, you come on up and we'll turn it over to you. Hey, everybody. Um, as you, well, I was going to, the pictures are going to run while I'm talking, and the, I'm just going to make this real short. But as you can tell from these pictures, we have tons of fun in our first grade Sunday school class. We do lots of crafts, and we try to do things, interactive things, to make learning fun. We even made slime one Sunday. Uh, I know that really doesn't have anything to do with God, but you know, once in a while you just need to let loose and have some fun. Uh, one Sunday, Noah even showed up and brought some animals. 
Uh, we have a boat in our classroom, and we use it some Sundays for the kids to sit in to listen to our lesson. Uh, another thing about teaching this class is that Amber and I learn something new every week. So today we want to present these Bibles, these first graders with a new Bible so they can continue to learn about Jesus. So if y'all come up. I'll get, get, get my line so Amber can give you your Bible. Okay, first one is Ansley Kiever. Next is Reese Fortner. Next is Lakin Murdoch. Next is Elena Holder. I mean, excuse me, Elena Kerrigan. Excuse me, I said that wrong. Uh, next is Rowan Fortner. And then we have Dalton Bear. Jax Hopkins. And Isabella Bostian. <laughs> they keep us. They keep us on our toes. But they're they're a great class. Rowan's. He's so shy. We try to get him to talk more, but he just. <laughs> he's such a good. We have such a good cl class, and we have so much fun. And um, uh, we appreciate y'all letting us have this opportunity to to teach these kids. Thank you. Uh, if y'all want the parents stand up and so the children will know where to go to find their mom and dad. Okay, if you would stand with us this morning and we're going to praise the Lord in song. <clears throat>
we go to the Lord in prayer, um, just as of late, I've had several conversations with different parents, even grandparents, as um, they've expressed needs with their own children. And I just uh, kind of felt led for us at this time of our prayer service today to pray for our children, pray for our grandchildren, um, pray for all the kids of our church and community. Um, as we go into this time of prayer, I want you to go in with this thought in mind. This is a quote by Mark Batterson. He says, you don't have to do everything right as a parent, but there's one thing you cannot afford to get wrong. That one thing is prayer. You'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Prayer is your highest privilege as a parent. There's nothing you can do that will have a higher return on investment. In fact, the dividends are eternal. Prayer turns ordinary parents into prophets who shape the destinies of their children, grandchildren, and every generation that follows. So you can pray from the pew, or if you'd like to come down here in just a moment as our choir leads us, if you want to come down here at the prayer, uh, to pray at the altar, maybe with your kids or for your kids or your grandkids, or maybe just as a leader or an adult, you want to pray for this next generation. This time of our prayer is going to be focusing on that, so I'm going to invite you to come as our praise team and choir leads us. Maybe you're with your child or your son or daughter. Just put your hand on their shoulders. We pray. And I just want to guide us through just a number of things that we can lift up together. Just begin by thanking them. Thanking the Lord for your children, your grandchildren. The children that are connected to your life in some way. Pray for God to protect them from the enemy. Ask God to strengthen them to resist temptation that will come. And maybe temptations they're facing now. Pray for the Lord to give them wisdom and discernment to know His will. Pray that they would not be deceived by the lies of the world and this culture. Pray if they do not know Christ that they would come to know him as Lord and Savior, maybe even today. And pray that they would learn to trust in Christ alone. Pray for these kids and students. Pray that they would know the truth and walk in it. Pray that they'd be convicted over sin. Pray that they'd have a desire for what is honorable and what is holy. And that their love for Christ would increase as they grow and learn of his greatness and his goodness. Pray for your kids that they would learn to trust God daily in every circumstance. And that their faith would go deeper and deeper. Lord, we ask us as, as parents and as grandparents, as leaders, as adults, that you'd help us to be an example in our words and our actions to point this next generation to you. And I pray that this next generation would be light in this dark world. 
that they would share your great love to those who desperately need Jesus. Lord, thank you that you hear our prayers today, and we do lift up our kids. God, we are not perfect, but God, we put them at your feet and pray that you do a mighty work in their life. And Lord, pray you be honored and glorified and throughout this service. Help us to receive the truth and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Also, want to thank uh, Wanda and Amber for uh, being our first grade teachers, and thank you so much for passing out the first grade Bibles, and thank all our Sunday school teachers for all that you do. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse and talk about many others. As you know, we've been going through a series uh, since July, and we've, we started with this thought, the most important thing about you is what you know and believe about God. The most important thing about you is what you know and what you believe about God. And so these past several Sunday mornings, we've been looking at the attributes of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3 and stand with me. We're going to read John 3, 36 this morning. We're talking about the wrath of God this morning. So look at your neighbors and say, welcome to East Hillsville Baptist Church. Now I want to read John three sixteen. As well, the Bible says this, these are the red letters, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not, what's the word? Perish. See, in one verse you have the love and the wrath of God combined. And, and verse 36 says this, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Okay, that's very important. But the wrath of God for unbelievers abides on him. And I would say, unless you repent for all eternity, the wrath of God abides on you. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for this day. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you for this attribute. Lord, I can praise you today because this does not apply to my life. And Lord, the reason it does not apply to my life is because of Jesus. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, that Lord, even before this, this service is over, Father, that they will call upon Jesus' name for salvation. Father, the wrath of God abides on unbelievers. And Lord, their opportunity to be saved is this life and this life alone. So Father, I pray that we'd see the seriousness of this message this morning. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's children said together, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When a scholar put it this way, he says, This is a difficult attribute to talk about, not because the Bible's unclear, or this is some type of gray area. It is not. The Bible is very clear. Wrath is an attribute of God, just as much as His love, goodness, and grace is. What in the world's going on here? We got kids coming in our, in our sanctuary. Now, I want y'all to see these little ones here, okay? I think they're still coming. There it is. Look at them. Y'all come on with these little ones. Now this, these folks are serving an extended session. Okay, you see all these little ones? They're still coming. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Well, you guys have a rope. All right. So they're still coming. Okay. Hey, guys, how are y'all doing? Good. Do y'all need help, people watching you? They're in here today because they have good hair, don't they? They're needing help in extended session, okay? So if you would, wouldn't mind, these kids need people to watch them during the service. Isn't it a blessing to have somebody to watch your child during the service? I think that is a tremendous blessing. Let's give all our workers a hand clap. And we thought we had just uh, put that before you one more time, that um, we need help in extended session. I think you serve once every six weeks or something like that. So if you'd be willing to do that, please uh, contact Lisa Powell. And if not, they'll just be out here in the service with us, all right? No, I'm just kidding. 
Okay, back to the message. John's words in John 3, 36 state for unbelievers that God's wrath abides on you. When does it leave? Never unless you're born again. The clear teaching of Scripture. The idea that we're all God's children is made up. The Jewish leaders, when they came to Jesus in John chapter 8, this is what they said. In John chapter 8, the Jewish leaders came to Jesus and this is what they said. Then they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one Father God. And what they're telling Jesus is, we're God's children. You know what Jesus said? The clear teaching of Scripture is this. If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? And He says, because you're not able to listen to my word. You're of your father, the devil. So Jesus said, you got, you, your daddy's the devil. My father's of God. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. And then in verse 47, he says this. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. And Jesus is basically saying this. We're not all God's children. Just because you're born does not mean you're God's child. That's nowhere in the Bible. John 1 says this. He who believes God has given the right to be called a son of God. Okay? So we're not all God's children. As a matter of fact, 1 John 4, 14 says this, And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That offer is there until you die. Aren't you thankful for that? But until that time, God's love or God's wrath abides on you. One scholar put it this way, He loves the world with a love of compassion, a love of goodness. He loves them enough to warn them. But that love is bound by time. And when the time ends for them, so does that love, and they enter into hell and judgment. God's love for the people of the world is limited to their time on earth. Then, if lost, it stops. Jesus said this. Notice what Jesus says in Luke. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. See, the final wrath of God is eternal. And it has no end. This attribute is solidly and clearly testified in Scripture. The, the definition for wrath, uh, one scholar put it this way, the wrath of God refers to His righteous response to everything that is contrary to His divine per perfection. He goes on to say this, God being morally perfect and morally pure, morally holy, He cannot be satisfied with moral imperfection. If you minimize God's wrath, you by default minimize His holiness, justice, and righteousness, and then you have a God not found in this Bible. Who, who talked about God's wrath? The prophets over 600 times. The apostles after Jesus' resurrection. Every apostle, disciple that wrote in the New Testament spoke about God's wrath. Jesus spoke about God's wrath more than he did heaven, more than he did of God's love. So this, this, this uh, characteristic is, is clear in Scripture. So there's three characteristics real quickly I want you to notice about God's wrath. And the first one is this. God's wrath is divine. God's, God's wrath, His slow anger toward things that are wrong, He's not like us, aren't you thankful? Do you, ever get, um, do you ever get upset and fly off the handle? Like, I mean, when you're riding on the interstate and people drive the speed limit, don't that just upset you bad? <laughs> or when you go to Walmart and there's a shopping cart bin here, and 10 yards over there's a shopping cart in the parking lot that somebody could not walk 10 yards and put up, you should get three weekends in jail for that, Okay? <laughs> And think about this, I share this all the time. If it's 10 items or less, it's 10 items or less, right? A couple, a couple weeks ago, it was not real busy. It's one of the few times it wasn't. I had, I don't know, 20 some items, and the lady says, Come here, preacher. I'll get you. I said, Nope, I'm not doing that. She says, Come here. I said, Your 10 items or less. She said, Nobody's here. Come here. 
And I said, as long as you don't tell, all right, I'll do it. But do you get mad easy? Let me, let me, let me ask you this question. You love your spouse, right? Do you get upset at your spouse? Do you ever get spiteful? You know, God is never spiteful. God never flies off the handle. His wrath, his anger is perfect. Think about this for a minute. One scholar put it this way. I believe it was John MacArthur. He says, God's wrath is never cruel, never arbitrary, never inappropriate. It is always based on his just standards and laws that he has revealed to all no excuse. His standards and laws are revealed clearly in creation and his word. God's wrath always fits the crime. Now think about this. When you think about God's wrath, he has perfect knowledge of every person in every situation. Perfect knowledge. You don't. I don't either. I mean, you know your spouse, but you don't know him, right? God has perfect knowledge of every person in every situation. Every time you read of God's wrath to come or read of God's wrath happening, it's always divine, judicial, and appropriate. Listen to this quote. God knows every detail before he pours out his wrath. He doesn't do it from a distance. He is just in doing so every time. Notice what Jeremiah says. Now, this Jeremiah was preaching to, a, to his nation that was about to be judged. Jeremiah 17.10 says this, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God knows you perfectly. That's why when Paul was writing to the church at Rome, he says, because, talking about the Jews, because of your hard, unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. J.I. Packer summarized God's wrath this way. God's wrath in the Bible is never the capricious, self-indulgent, irritable, morally ignoble thing that human anger so often is. It is instead a right and necessary reaction to objective moral evil. It is right and necessary reaction to the things that God makes God angry. As a matter of fact, when you think about the flood, notice what Genesis 6.13 says. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. Think about that. Every person on the planet. All right. Every, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God knew this situation and every person perfectly. Now, I wonder, does anybody know how long Noah preached? 100 years at least? He was building a boat, a big one. Nobody had ever seen that before. People had all this time to repent and to place their faith and trust in God. The Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Do you think if they had two more days, they was going to repent? Do you, you think if they had two more years, they were going to repent? If they had a hundred years, God knows each situation and person perfectly. God's wrath on the earth was morally just. It was judicial. It was appropriate. Okay? Because God understood. As a matter of fact, he said their thoughts and the intents, the evil of their heart is not going to change. Do you think if we give two more verses of just as I am, people are going to get saved? Probably not. All right? Think about this. Think about Sodom. Genesis 19, it says, Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. And he gave them time after time after time to repent. Time after time to repent. Okay? God's divine wrath on this earth, God's divine wrath on Sodom were morally perfect. They were, it, was, it, was, it was not inappropriate, it was arbitrary, and it was not cruel. The second thing about God's wrath is this. Think about this for a lost person in our planet, unbelievers. God's wrath is coming. 
The Bible states this clearly. The Bible says God will damn for eternity unbelieving men and women. Ephesians 5, 6 says this. Paul says this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Those are very important words. And then he puts a comma. For because of these things, and in verse 1 through 5, he talked about all these things that people choose over Jesus. Okay, sexual immorality, lying, gossiping, covenant, drunkenness, all these things. Okay, he says, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. It's coming. Colossians, it'll be on the screen, 3, 5, and 6 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's a promise. It is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Paul said this about the end of time in 2 Thessalonians 1. He says, This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. God is, God's wrath is coming. And it may on us, it may be soon. Jesus shared a parable of a rich man who had so much money. says, I got barns, I got food in my barns. I think I'll tear them down and build more. Build them bigger. I'm going to eat, drink, take my ease and be merry. And notice what the Bible says Jesus says. Jesus says this. This night your soul, or he says this, but God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Look at the word for fool. All right? But God said to him, fool, that word fool, actually in the Greek it means this, you mindless, ignorant, destitute of knowledge and truth, you fool. Why? Because he thought he was going to live forever. He didn't think after death anything was going to happen. Okay? Because God loves everybody. And notice, it says, this night your soul is required of you. The actual Greek says this, this night they demand your soul. All right? John 3.36 says this, the same uh, chapter that has John 3.16, it says this, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And in this parable, Jesus says, the wrath of God came for this guy that night. Okay? So if you're lost here today, you can leave here today, you can go eat, you can go drink, you can be merry, you can make a lot of money, you can have a nice car, all right? But the wrath of God is abiding on you until you repent or until you die, and then God will pay it full circle. According to the words of Jesus, according to the words of God, according to the words of the prophet, according to all the disciples that have written in this book, that is the truth. What about the Christian? Okay. Also for the lost man, the Bible says, It is appointed unto men to die once, but after this the judgment. For the Christian is different. The Christian says this, To live as Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Jesus told the thief on the cross who repented, Today you'll be with me in paradise. The proverb says, The righteous has hope in his death. Do you have hope or you're hoping you're right with God? Friends. Do you have hope? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You cannot say that about a lost person. You cannot do it and be trustworthy to God's word. You cannot. Because I'm going to read John 3.36 again. He who believes, who trusts in, who's clinging to the Son, has everlasting life. It'll never end. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. God's wrath is final, and it is eternal. And then the final thing that's so important, we talked about this Wednesday night, and I'm going to spend just a little bit of time here. The wrath of God has been appeased or satisfied. Aren't you thankful? 
The wrath of God has been appeased. The wrath of God has been satisfied. That's why you can be saved. All right? In Leviticus 16, we looked at this Wednesday night, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is the most holy day on the Jewish calendar. As a matter of fact, in Israel this year, I think October 8th through October 9th, I could be wrong, everything stops in Israel. Everything stops in Jerusalem. The most secure airport on the planet, nobody flies in or out. Only a few emergency vehicles move. As a matter of fact, you can Google it and look at pictures. On the Day of Atonement, you'll see a few people riding bikes. Nobody else does anything. Because it was a time for, for God to atone for sin. And we studied in Leviticus 16 how, how this ceremony was incomplete in itself because you had to do it every year. A high priest would, would sacrifice for himself because he was a sinner. He would have to bathe. He'd have to change his clothes. He wouldn't wear the normal high priestly clothes. And he'd have to make sacrifices for himself. And then he would cast lots. They had to have two goats without blemish. Okay? The reason they cast lots is because the priest might be biased. One was a sacrificial goat and one was a scapegoat. Okay? Notice on the screen up here, the sacrificial goat was the propitiation. Notice, notice the definition. The bloody slaughter of the goat on the Day of Atonement represents propitiation. Propitiation means that God's wrath, which is mentioned more than 600 times in Scripture, was turned away or propitiated from the sinners and diverted to the goat. So what the high priest would do is kill this goat and shed his blood and say, God's wrath has been appeased for your sins for one year. Okay? Say this with me. Propitiation. Very important word. You'll thank God for all eternity because of this word. Okay? You'll thank God for all eternity. And here's why. Here's why. John says this. We love God, but that He loved us and he sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, God didn't use a goat this time. He used His Son, the Lamb of God. The death of Jesus Christ appeased or satisfies God's wrath for whoever believes in Him. Okay? It has been, God's wrath has been satisfied or appeased, propitiated, if you place your faith and trust in Him. And if you reject that, God's wrath abides on you today, tomorrow, and if you die without Christ for eternity. The clear teaching of Scripture. The clear teaching of Jesus Christ, friends. Okay? Propitiation is such an important word. But not only did you have the sacrificial goat, you had the scapegoat. Notice this word, expiation. Say this with me. Expiation. A very important word. Okay? The high priest would symbolically take this, this goat that was alive, he had placed his hands on it, and pronounced the sins of all the nation and all the people. Somebody would take that goat out in the wilderness, and it was a picture of those sins are gone forever. You have been cleansed. Okay? You have been washed clean. Those sins are gone, and they'll never, ever come back. Expiation. Notice the definition. This goat called the scapegoat would then be sent away to run free into the wilderness, away from the sinners, symbolically taking their sins with it. Theologically, we call this the doctrine of expiation, whereby our sin is expiated or taken away so that we're made clean, to be cleansed. Okay? There are times in your life when you need to expiate some things, to cleanse it. I shared Wednesday night of years ago counseling with a, with a couple that had some infidelity. And, and sadly, the marriage bed was part of that. And they come to me for counseling and say, what should we do? What should we do? I can't sleep in that bed. I said, burn it, expiate it, cleanse it, get it away from you. Okay? Sometimes those things have to happen. When you place your faith and trust in Christ, listen to me, not only is God's wrath appeased and satisfied, but your sins have been expiated. Listen, listen to how the Bible puts it in Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just like the high priest did the goat. Hebrews 8.12 says this, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Psalm 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That means they're gone. Micah says this, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Aren't you thankful? Past, present, and future, your sins are gone forever. Past, present, and future, your sins are gone forever. It's kind of like the night the Lord saved me. And I just had a classmate call me a couple weeks ago. And he told me about his salvation. Okay, we graduated together. And then he called me last week and he says, I just feel clean. I feel like a new person. And I said, you've been cleansed. Your sins have been expiated. Uh, that's the, the, the amazing thing about me is not only that God saved me, but he took the guilt away. See, your soul gets scarred when we sin. Okay? But when you confess it and you ask the Lord to forgive you, he will cleanse you. And listen to me, Christians, listen to this. Do you realize that there are times, even though you're forgiven, that's, the, that's theologically sound, you're forgiven, you need to be cleansed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And what's the word? Cleanse us from all our sins. Listen to what David did. David was God's man. David was born again. David sinned badly. Listen to what David says in Psalm 32. Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David was saying, I know I was forgiven, but Lord, you cleansed me. You, it helped me. Not that I was not forgiven, but Lord, you cleansed me. And then in Psalm 51, he says this, Have mercy, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Listen to what he says. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Expiate these sins, Lord. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, cleanse I'll tell you what some married couples you need to do instead of going to see a counselor. Confess your sins to one another and get cleaned up. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. You don't tell me about it. You don't need to tell me about it or Cornerstone or anybody else. Tell each other about it. And say, listen, I'm going to confess to you. I'm sorry. And then, ladies, you confess to him, I'm sorry. And then just let God cleanse you. Hey, some of you, if, if, if what you did on Friday night was shown on this screen, we'd have to shut the church down. And you're a Christian. You know who can cleanse that? Jesus will cleanse it. I promise you. Okay? Think about that. Say, God, see, at the invitation, some of us just need to say this, Lord, I just need to be clean. I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I'm born again. But Lord, just cleanse me. Deep down, cleanse me. Do you need to be clean? Confess your sins to God and forsake them. So what does, what does the wrath of God look like? The greatest picture we have of the wrath of God, propitiation and expiation, is the cross of Calvary. I want you to notice this picture on the screen. It's one of the most graphic pictures of God's wrath being appeased and our sins being expiated is Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Have you ever placed your faith and trust in the resurrected Jesus? If not, God's wrath abides on you. And it's not going anywhere. It'll be on you till you die or Jesus Christ comes back. Now I want to share this date with you because Wednesday night I preached this. All right? 10, 30, 90. Y'all have heard that 100,000 times here. Okay? It was Wednesday, Wednesday morning... 
I was sitting in my office. I, I wasn't even paying attention to what date it was. One of my friends from school, whom I was, I'm his pastor now, I don't see him here this morning, he probably laid out of church. But anyway, good friend of mine, he knew me before I was a Christian, right? He knew me way before I was a Christian, knew all about me. You know how you know, how you know stuff about each other and how you do things with each other and all those things. But, but he called me, he said, Steel! I said, what's up? You know, that's what you do. And uh, he said, happy birthday, brother. I said, man, that's, thank you, but I'll be 50 February 9th. I know I look 37, but I'll be 50, all right? Now think about this for a minute. He said, I'm not talking about that birthday. He said, I'm talking about your real birthday. And I said, man, I want to I thank you so much for calling me. And reminded me again of God's grace and mercy in my life. You see, he knew who I was before and where I was headed. It ain't the first time he's called me on my spiritual birthday. Aren't you thankful for God's amazing, redeeming, forgiving, cleansing grace? You may not remember the date, but you better have one. Your only hope is Jesus. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a personal relationship with Christ? If not, this invitation is open to you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to give a long invitation. But I would encourage you to place your faith and trust in Christ even now. You don't have to come forward. God knows your heart. You can be in your pew. But pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And I place my faith and trust in you alone for my salvation. Lord, on this Sunday morning, November 3rd, I ask you to save me. Come into my life and cleanse me. And Jesus, from this day forward, I will follow you. Friends, listen. Salvation is so simple. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God and let him touch your life. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for this uh, time of invitation. Lord, this is your time and this is your, these are your people. And Lord, I pray that you would save according to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon and the choir leads us in a song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. time of altar prayer and I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Danny Chapman, as many of you know, Danny has a brain tumor and Danny's surgery has been scheduled for Tuesday, at least a four hour surgery, maybe longer. But I'm going to ask you if you would, I asked Danny if we could do this uh, and he said we could uh, as if you'll just play something softly, if you'll join me here at the altar, let's lift Danny and Melinda and their family up in prayer this morning. And then if you will, go back to your seat after we're done praying, okay?
pray with me? Father, as we come here in prayer, Lord, we just want to lift Danny Chapman up to you. First and foremost, Lord, Danny's been at this altar praying for many of us. And Lord, probably shared Christ with many of us here this morning. Lord, he served as a deacon here, Sunday school teacher. Lord, just been one of the backbones of this church. And Father, I'm honored to be his pastor and his friend. And Lord, I just pray for his surgeon today. I pray that, Lord, if this surgery takes place Tuesday, that that would be their best work. Father, we pray that this tumor is not cancerous. Father, uh, Danny has some other issues, and we pray that this would take care of that. Father, we pray that the recovery time would go well. Lord, uh, we're praying in Jesus' name. And Lord, he trusts you either way. Lord, he's told me that. Father, I pray for Melinda. Lord, that you would encourage her. Father, put your arms around her and let her know how much you love her. And uh, Lord, they've gone through some pretty hard months here. And Jesus, I just pray that you'd be their refuge and strength. Father, I pray that this church will continue to pray for them. And Lord, there's so many others in this church that need your touch as well. And Father, we're just so honored to be a church family that we can lift one another up in prayer. So Father, we're interceding on his behalf. Lord, we know that your, your will is perfect. And Lord, we surrender to it. But Lord, we pray, and you told us to, in Jesus' name, that you would bring healing through this surgery. And we'll thank you and praise you for whatever you do. In Jesus' name we pray and we love you today. And all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you so much for praying. If you will, just go back to your pew for just one second. We have a couple that's going to join the church. And then we'll be dismissed. Once again, thank you guys for lifting Danny and Melinda up in prayer. I'm going to ask uh, Dylan and Carlina and their daughters to come forward. Uh, they've been coming to East Hills Baptist Church now for quite some time. I really appreciate their faithfulness and love, love this family and uh, honored to be your pastor. And they've been through Class 101. Both are saved and, and baptized and they uh, request church membership. Do we have a motion to accept them as members? Do we have a second? All in favor, raise your hand and say praise the Lord. All right, we're going to give you guys a brick and... If you're new here, the reason we give a brick, because I'm no better than anybody else. Um, it takes all of us to build the kingdom of God, especially here at the local church at these Tales of Baptist Church. And we're honored to have you here as, as members. Love both of you. I know you want to come by and shake their hands. Before I dismiss you, two things. Christmas and TV will be in the elevator lobby, and you can order your ETB shirts and hoodies in the Jennings Family Ministry Building. Uh, if you'd like to do that, this is the last day. Thank you. God bless you. We're on a regular schedule tonight, and you're dismissed. <laughs>